0: The Optometry Talks podcast series is brought to you by Optometry New South Wales ACT, your peak professional body.
1: Welcome to another episode of Optometry Talks, part of our Changing Lanes and Dual Career Series. I'm Ivy, Corporate Engagement Subcommittee Member at Icona, the Early Career Optometrist Committee of Optometry New South Wales ACT. And today I'm joined by Monica Lett. Monica is the practice development manager, New South Wales ACT, for Alcon Surgical. She has consulted in both corporate and private ophthalmology in both management and clinical roles with a focus on pre- and post-operative cataract and refractive patient care. She was the referral liaison, in New South Wales, for a corporate ophthalmology practice for six years. She has also consulted in private and corporate optometry practices in metropolitan Sydney and regional areas. She is currently a director on the board of Optometry New South Wales ACT. So I'd like to welcome Monica.
0: Thank you, Ivy. Thank you for having me.
1: We're so grateful to have you here and are very keen to hear about what you have gone through and your career thus far. So we'll just get started with our questions. Tell us what you currently do.
0: So I'm the practice development manager for Gordon Surgical in New South Wales and ACT. It's something that's a new role because optoms generally don't do surgery. But what we do do is see patients who have cataract surgery and are implanted with IOL. So my role is basically... Focused on educating optometrists about IOLs and particularly the newer presbyopia correcting IOLs, as there's been a lot of advances in the technology recently. So I uh, do that in a number of ways. I often go out and visit optometrists, and that's um, all over New South Wales, so Sydney and regional visits, and also organise education events, so webinars, face to face events, supporting sponsored events, so. Um, and that can be presenting, or you know, just uh, having a stand and talking to people as they come up. And I also, yeah, work within our surgical sales team, and yeah, and <laughs> a bit of marketing as well. So, and I'm also on the board, as you said, for Optometry New South Wales. So I sit on a few committees there as well, uh, the Public Health Committee and the CPD Committee.
1: Wow. Sounds like you do a lot and it sounds like your day's very varied. I had a question about uh, in terms of educating optometrists with IOLs prior to their, well, for them to educate their patients on cataract surgery. Do you, I guess, advise, do you teach optometrists about what IOLs are available for them to have that conversation with the patient? Or do you just do it as a this is what is available and then it's up to them to do uh, what they want with that information?
0: A little bit of both. So part of it is understanding what the the lenses actually do, like what the expected outcomes will be and also about how to, subjects with the, with the patients, how to discuss it with them and prepare them for their surgical consultation, but also um, so that they can recognise these lenses and know how to manage the patients when they come back after their surgery. And Because I know as an optometrist, I was always a little bit confused about what presbyopia correcting IOLs did. And so I was a bit reluctant to talk to patients about them because I didn't really know how to discuss it. So part of it is just demystifying what they actually do and how they work.
1: Oh, great. That sounds really good. I feel like it would make the optometrist a lot more comfortable referring to that ophthalmologist and just make the whole uh, co-management space a lot more easy and approachable.
0: Yeah, that's right. You just want to sort of be able to open up that communication because, you know, the key to the patient's happiness and satisfaction is them having the right expectations. So, you know, while we don't want optometrists recommending a particular lens or brand of lens to a patient, it's good that they understand that, that IOLs are capable of different things so that, you know, they're a little bit more prepared when they go and discuss these things with the surgeon.
1: Yeah, definitely. So moving on to the next question, what first drew you to optometry and to study optometry?
0: Well, I have to admit, I wasn't born, <laughs> born with a desire to, to do optometry, but when I was at school, I was always more interested in the science and math subjects as opposed to English and history, things like that, the humanities. And so as I got closer towards finishing year 12, I had to really start thinking about what I wanted to do for university. So I think it was, you know, that sort of maths and science background, but you know, it's not just straight science and, and, and maths, it's also a little bit of dealing with people there's a little bit of business involved there and, you know, I've always loved frames. <laughs> it's a bit of a strange obsession. But, yeah, and as, as a child I, I did have eye problems that needed me to see an ophthalmologist. So, yeah, it sort of steered me in that direction. So when I saw the Corsair I sort of looked into it and I thought that's something that would be a, a nice mix of a lot of different aspects of, as said, science and humanity. So
1: Yeah, that sounds very similar to a lot of other optometrists and what my peers and other people I've heard as well in terms of mixing patient interaction uh, as well as that helping people aspect but also very science and maths It, I think most um, optometrists have similar strengths. And what did you do when you first graduated from optometry? So when
0: I first graduated from optometry, I, I- – actually went into a really good role. It was with a large corporate chain. And in those days, optometrists weren't actually allowed to be employed by by companies, by corporates, but um, the practice was actually there before the law was. So there was a grandfather clause that allowed us to be directly employed. And so it was in the city. So it was a really nice, vibrant environment. And there were, I think, about eight optometrists employed in that one practice. So there was a lot of people to learn off. And what they also did from there was they used to um, us out to some of the licensee optometrists. So I had the opportunity to, first of all, get a nice sort of base and background and get comfortable seeing patients in in our city practice. But then I got the opportunity to see optometry in different areas. And so, you know, in the suburbs of Sydney and also Canberra, Tasmania and, and different regional areas in New South Wales. So I got to see optometry in different areas, which, which was really helpful and educational. I also, I was there for quite a while. So, um, I had the opportunity as well to train orthoptists or orthoptic students, actually in contact lenses, like just basic contact lens knowledge. And what happens to patients when they come in to be fitted with contact lenses, what the different contact lens types were. And eventually I ended up managing that practice for a few years.
1: Wow, it sounds like this role was just the perfect first role to get straight out of graduation. It gave you that variation of like teaching, practicing, as well as traveling, and then it opened you up to practice management. Is that what uh, drew you to decide that you wanted to do more than just conventional optometry? Did you enjoy that practice management side as well as the teaching side of things? maybe not more than um, just practicing or did you enjoy sort of doing it all?
0: Yeah, I I think I enjoyed doing it all. Um, I, I found it really interesting. Like I found part of being a large corporation really interesting. I enjoy that network of people and the teams and that different people are doing different things. But, yeah, I really enjoyed just doing different tasks during the day so it wasn't just seeing patients, you know. I'd spend three hours with the orthoptic students once a week I think I even, yeah, I, it's a long time ago now, but I do recall going out to some of the different stores and training the store staff in contact lenses. And, yeah, I enjoyed the managerial side as well. I enjoyed, funnily enough, the admin side and doing a bit of paperwork, rostering, all that sort of thing, doing pay. So I, I kind of enjoy having having it, different tasks. It sort of keeps me quite quite motivated and and interested. But, you know, and seeing the patients as well was a, a nice counterbalance to that. It wasn't all one or the other. It was a mixture of everything.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it will definitely help with feeling like that repetitive nature that some people can feel, especially after seeing patients on end, it can get a bit repetitive. So having that different variation um, sounds like it it's really the best of both worlds that you get and after uh, after doing that role where did you go from there what was your next um, career move after that
0: straight after that I actually I actually became a licensee myself so for three years I had my own well clinical optometry practice next to one of the large stores but it was actually um, at that point they had a a a couple of boutique sport stores so we had the really high-end frames and so it it was actually really nice it wasn't quite as busy as their conventional stores and so I got to also then I, I didn't have to but I got to help people choose frames and have a bit of a play and actually do a little bit of dispensing which I hadn't done so I did that for a few years and that was really yeah pretty much straight optometry but you're also running your own business And it was from there that I actually moved into um, working in an ophthalmology practice.
1: Wow, that's a big jump going from working at a practice and then owning your own and then moving into ophthalmology. What sort of drove that decision going into ophthalmology? And then what were your first steps in in making that jump?
0: Well, at that time, uh, laser refractive surgery was was really taking off. Like there was a lot of press about it, a lot of people were having it, people were really excited about it. So I'd actually, at the time, they they used to not get optometrists to co-manage patients, and if you did want to, you had to do a laser surgery-like co-management course. So I had done one of those, and that was the first time I saw optometrists working within ophthalmology and I was always kind of drawn again to the science of the medical side of it at that time again therapeutics wasn't a thing so that wasn't on our radar and I'd had a bit of experience with a more sort of advanced (laughs) I I guess you could call it practice of optometry because during my uni days we actually did like an internship um in America, so I think it looks like a placement. So we did six weeks at the State University of New York. So I'd seen optometry practice at a different level where they were using therapeutics, or they at least had ophthalmologists in the clinic. So that had sort of sparked a bit of an interest there. I'd done this laser surgery co management course, and I was always a little bit interested in it. So I s- sort of started looking into it and keeping an eye out because. At the, you know, there were a few laser centres that were looking for optometrists to work with them. So it was just a case of biding my time till a position came up, sort of trying to prepare myself with as much knowledge as I could. And then, um, yeah, once an ad came up, I, I sort of went, went in and had an interview.
1: Awesome. So it really started from your uni days of having that experience overseas and then seeing how it could be applied in Australia, did you have to do that course to work in the ophthalmology practice or were other people allowed to apply as well?
0: Yeah, no, there was no requirement to do the course, but I think having done it, I was better placed to discuss, you know, the the role and and what I I could do. So I think, you know, being a little bit prepared, like having something that stood out a little bit helped me actually get the role because I think there were quite a few people who applied for it and as usual I was probably one of the last ones so yeah.
1: Oh, I see and um you mentioned before that you had taught a lot of contact lenses to orthoptic students did you have an interest in contact lenses back in your uni days or did that kind of develop after you graduated?
0: Um I didn't probably have a real specific, interesting contact lenses. I, I did a lot of hard contact or rigid contact lens fitting, I should say, when I was in the city, because that practice for some reason seemed to have accumulated a lot of keratoconic patients. So I think I, I did enjoy it. It wasn't a particular interest, but I think I really enjoyed the teaching. And especially once I worked out how I wanted to present it to, present it to the students, I, I enjoyed the interaction with them and teaching them about it.
1: Oh, I see. And teaching um, contact lenses uh, to orthoptic students would have definitely helped you in terms of educating optometrists uh, for IOLs now. When you applied for the role, was it specifically this role in terms of what you do now, in terms of organising webinars, more admin-based tasks, or did it um, evolve over time where you grew your responsibilities? Yeah.
0: So the... The role that I'm doing now was specifically designed for education and I think the background that I had has helped me to, to do that. So, that, you know, they've employed me knowing that I've done these tasks in the past, that I've organised events in the past. I used to organise conferences and um, after hours education for optometrists. And so I guess somewhere along the line, yes, all the way back then, teaching orthoptists just helped me develop those, those presenting skills.
1: That sounds really fitting for you that you've had all these previous experiences that led to your role now. What advice would you give to someone looking to explore options outside of conventional optometry or in terms of trying to gain more, I guess, responsibilities in terms of trying to upskill themselves that they could move into a role similar to yours or just more of a role that is outside of practising full-time?
0: Well, if if they um, have an idea of what they want to do, like if they have an idea that they want to, say, specialise in a particular area of optometry or that they want to move into management, it kind of is a little bit easier because you can have a look at who's already doing those things and what they did to get there and then, you know, try and upskill yourself so that if a position comes up, you're already ready to go. I would say, you know, never pass up the opportunity to, to learn from people that you work with or that you come into contact with, even if you're not particularly sure it's an area that you want to do. You, you just never know when these skills will come in handy a bit later on. You know, the other thing you can do if you sort of go, I want to do something, but I'm not sure I want to do it, is just look around there's so many areas where you can move into as I said you might be in a corporate organization and you know that they, they often have you know regional managers they have professional what do they call them you know the <laughs> professional services where they organize optometrists so you can go into training you can you know better yourself by you know doing more study i did a masters degree at at one point while I was working in optometry Uh, in ophthalmology. So I did a master's of optometry. You you might need to be patient if you're looking for a new role. Like some of these jobs, you know, can take, you know, three, six, 12 months to turn up. So, but, you know, keep learning while you're striving to get there. So, um, you know, there are a lot of short courses you can do either in management or in different areas of optometry, you know, places like ACO or the different societies the Contact Lens Society, they're always running courses and, you know, people are always happy to share their knowledge. And yeah, when, you know, you may find, you know, you get asked to do something outside your comfort zone. Like I was just saying to Ivy before that talking about myself is a little outside my comfort zone on this interview. But, um, you know, when you push yourself, you you learn new things and you you gain confidence. So it's never a bad thing.
1: Definitely. Thank you so much for your Advice It sounds like your career has been made up of just accepting responsibilities and finding what you like, what you don't like, and just pursuing the avenues that you like and finding ways to incorporate aspects that you like with the aspects that you're already doing. Did you do any other, I guess, extra upskilling besides that course you did for co management?
0: Um, I, I. I did a, a masters in optometry, so I did. I, I think I, it was a it was a coursework one. So I did like a masters degree, and it was advanced advanced diseases. I think there was a contact lens, advanced contact lenses in there. I did therapeutics in there, and that was again before the days um, that it was legislated. And I think I also did, a yeah, I did a public health course and photography. So um, I had done that. I haven't really done too many things related to management. A lot of that is sort of just on the job training, really. I did do a learn to lead course through UNSW. It was um, one of the alumni courses. So, um, but, you know, I think if you're on LinkedIn, LinkedIn have a whole bunch of different education courses you can do if, you know, management and and business is sort of something that you're interested in. And As I said, if you then go for a role that involves management and you've actually, they can see that you've actively taken an interest, it might just be the thing that gets you over the line and, you know, helps the potential employer see that you you really are interested in developing your career and yourself.
1: That's really great advice. I think a lot of early career optometrists might be somewhat fearful or hesitant in terms of trying to do extra courses or even monetarily investing in other things where they might not see the return straight away. So it's really great to hear from yourself about what you've gone through and how it's helped you in terms of where you are now. And it's really good to hear that you can take all the things that you've learned previously and implement them into what you're doing now. It's really great to hear that You have a role where it's so varied and your day and your week is just made up of different tasks. And, you know, you do have some days where you just want to sit down and do admin and that patient interaction can be quite tiring sometimes and kind of drive you to burnout symptoms. So it's really fantastic to hear that you've been able to incorporate everything and really find that balance, that is giving you a lot of career satisfaction.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy it. Like I, uh, I I do find it hard to do the same thing all the time. Like if I'm on the road for an entire week, you know, I get, <laughs> I get tired of doing that. If I was in, uh, you know, in my office all week, I would get tired of that. So it, it's really great to, be, to have the opportunity to mix that up. And, I mean, you know, it is probable that if I was in the same place seeing patients every day, I would feel... A little bit burnt out from that. I have done, you know, I have done that. Um, But I was in the city and it was very varied. I had lots of optometrists to bounce off, and you know, so that was that was fun for me. Another time, I was doing four different jobs on four different days of the week, like four different optometry jobs, and you know, they were. I think there was two at private optometrists and two at different ophthalmologists. So you know, by mixing up where I was working and the demographic of patient I was working with and this, you know, some were optometry patients, some were ophthalmology patients, you know, that that variation and that different pace uh, kept it, you know, a, a little bit more exciting and, and interesting to me. So that's another way you can actually mix up your week or, you know, you can also, you know, do less hours and, you know, on one day of the week, do something else that you find interesting to break it up.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's great advice in terms of, looking for something more out of your career but not changing industries I think that's a great idea to get that variation that some people might need just to feel a bit more refreshed and it's really great to hear that you've been able to do that I just really wanted to say thank you so much for chatting to us today and taking time out of your super busy schedule we've loved hearing about your career and your journey from graduation to where you are now. It's been really insightful, uh, especially about the upskilling you did in terms of what opportunities you took and how you expanded your responsibilities outside of full-time practicing and how it led you into um, what you're doing today. It's been really interesting and we appreciate your time.
0: Oh, thank you. I will. Thank you for inviting me. I hope it is helpful. I think, you know, the most important thing you can do is just, you know, whatever you do, be enthusiastic, be motivated. And, you know, sometimes you just, just from that alone, you draw the opportunity to yourself.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it is up to the individual to be open to opportunities and see what comes along.
0: Yeah, definitely, and um, you know, yeah, keep your eyes open. You know, watch watch what people around you are doing, and you know, you don't have to leave optometry to to make it more interesting. You know, you can develop yourself in one area or another, and just build on that skill set to you end up where you want, or you know, tr- if you where you are doesn't make you happy, try a different style of practice. That may be enough to, you know, t- to motivate you. Like, you know, go from a big <laughs> shopping center to a little village optometrist and you may find that you know it it feels completely different.
1: Mm, I think that even just hearing that and hearing your story just shows everyone that the world is really your oyster even in the optometry industry uh, because it can feel really small at times so just hearing what you've done just shows that the options are endless.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, make connections amongst your colleagues, you know, not just the people in your year but, you know, people with the same interests like um, some of the most satisfied optometrists that I talk to, you know, are people that are involved, you know, with Ortho K and or, you know, some other specialty where they have a group of colleagues with the same interest and, you know, they all meet together and, you know, discuss discuss their work and, you know, through that they progress and it just keeps them excited about it.
1: Mm, definitely I think engaging your uh peers and your colleagues is a good idea and just like doing this podcast just hearing what other people have done as well gives you really good ideas well
0: hopefully hopefully <laughs> I'm not leading everyone astray
1: <laughs> no I don't think so at all <laughs> Excellent. so just just wanted to say a huge thank you again uh And thank you for listening to this episode of Optometry Talks. We have multiple interviews in this career podcast series, so make sure to check them out. If you're looking to explore more career options, the Optometry Australia Mentoring Program is a great way to connect to a mentor and to start your journey. Registration is easy, head to the Optometry Australia website for more details. If you need further help at any stage, the team at Optometry New South Wales ACT exists to support you. Feel free to call us on 2 2199 or send us a message via email or social media. Once again, a huge thank you to Monica for joining me today for this episode and we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you for listening.
0: This episode of Optometry Talks was brought to you compliments of Optometry New South Wales ACT.